There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. Buccaneers 26, Browns 23 in overtime. Saints 24, Ravens 23. Chiefs 45, Bengals 10. (laughs) Bertrand Russell, famous British philosopher and mathematician, Calls mathematics a beauty cold and austere, capable of a stern perfection, the touchstone of the highest excellence found in mathematics. In this case, the esoteric tie is the mathematical anomaly that puts the Pittsburgh Steelers atop the AFC North by 12 one-thousandth of a point and in control of its own destiny. It's October 22nd, 2018, episode 62. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. So I know we didn't actually notch a victory this past weekend, but can we agree to call this a victory Monday? It felt like a very winner's, sorry. Man, we moved right up the standings, baby, and all we had to do was sit back and watch Cincinnati suck back down to earth. Uh is there any better look than the look on Justin Tucker's face when he misses the first extra point of his career, making him 222 for 223 to lose the game against the Saints? Personally like him. I felt kind of bad for him. But, uh, yeah, it was a glorious and just so such an anomaly, to use that word twice in this podcast. Sure, it's a great word. Justin Tucker, I hate Justin Tucker, but I love to hate Justin Tucker. Not like hating the actual true bubbling violent hatred for Vontae's perfect, who is just objectively a horrible person and tries to injure people. But Justin Tucker, I just hate him because he's unbelievable. I mean, the dude even is a great opera singer and I'm sure he's a great golfer or something like that. Just Renaissance man. Unbelievable. Kind of sucks that he got that miss out of the way because now he'll probably just make all the rest of them for the rest of the season. But uh, hey, uh, I will say this. Number one, this is fantastic. Steelmen are in first place. We kind of previewed this for you guys last week in terms of the Steelers have the Browns at home. And I don't know if I got this wrong last week. Uh, I might have said that we play the Ravens at home, but we do play the Ravens in Baltimore, which has been a tough place that luckily the Steelers uh, cleared that hurdle excuse me, in recent years. But they are really in control of their own destiny right now. And if they win these next two games, Two games, uh, it wouldn't be a stranglehold on the on the AFC North because there's some really tough games up in the in the end of the season. But man, they, they would really put themselves uh, into a very solid position. Well, do you think we can actually lose to Baltimore and still capture the division? 
And I'll flash yeah. up here the standings. I, I do. I mean, it's going to be tough because you you know that the Steelers' schedule is murderer's row at the end there. You have Patriots, and I know the Jaguars aren't looking good right now, but they're always a formidable opponent. You do have to play Cincinnati again. You have to play my like least favorite team for the Steelers to play, the, the Drew Brees, Sean Payton-led Saints. Um Cam Newton and the Panthers. There's a bunch of tough games that come up at the end of the year. But even if they did lose to the Ravens, which, you know, we'll see what happens. I feel pretty good about the Ravens game right now. I think it's going to be a, another classic. But these, this AFC North always has a habit of coming down to the very end as long as uh, teams are relatively healthy. Well, those other games really relevant. Aren't we looking just to win the division? Well, just look at where we're standing right now. The reason why the Steelers are in first place isn't because of a, a division record or anything like that. It's because their overall win percent is at 5.83 instead of the Bengals and the Ravens were at 5.71. So, I mean, if they get a better record than us, then you know, that's going to hurt. But uh, Wait, is it, is it the overall record or is it the record in your division if you win the division? I think – and this is almost pathetic that I don't know the exact rules on this, but I I always thought it was division. But I think if you have a better overall record, it's going to trump the division, and then the division will be the first tiebreaker. Well, we've got to do some massive research there because that's that's incredibly important. Both the Ravens and the Steelers have played three divisional games. The other, the Bengals and the Browns have played two. If the Ravens beat us, we're at one, two, and one. They are at two, two, and zero. Oh. But we have two more yeah. games to play, so we could end up at. Three, two, and one in the division. Well, let's not make the mistake the Steelers did last year of looking to New England a little bit early and looking past Jacksonville in the playoffs because I guess we're all kind of assuming we're going to beat Cleveland this week because if they didn't, then, I mean, they don't deserve to go further in the season. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute here, but I do want to say one more thing about the Ravens just to contradict myself. That loss against um, the uh, the Saints – I don't know, man. That just showed me that the Raven it's almost a positive for the Ravens. Justin Tucker misses an extra point. The chances of that happen are happening are minuscule. As far as I'm concerned, they took the Saints, one of the top three or four teams in the NFL, uh, to the brink and into overtime. Might as well if Justin had made that kick. I know you could say if, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but how many times is Justin Tucker going to miss that kick, right? All that showed me is in a year with no defense – there is one team in the league that can play defense, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. And they didn't just hold some offensive team to 24 points or, or whatever it is. They held the Saints and Sean Payton. So really impressive. Ravens look like the real deal. Obviously, Browns are in every single game they play. So it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means next two weeks. All right. So we have two pieces of uh, news that have been hanging out there. One we can dispense with right now, and the other one is still an open question. Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson. It came out today that Patrick Peterson has actually requested a trade from the Cardinals. So those rumors are real. He does want to get out of there. Uh, unfortunately, and conversely, I think the Cardinals, I don't know if it was the GM or the owner, they said that Patrick Peterson is not on the trade block and they're not letting him get out of Arizona. So take that as you will. I think it will be a long shot for the Steelers to actually land him, but Obviously, he wanted to get the news out there into the media that he asked for a trade. So there's still a chance. And if you're saying there's a chance, man, I'll take it. But and, I don't think it's going to happen. And uh, Bell, this hasn't been dispensed with. He just hasn't shown up yet. Bell Watch, the segment that never dies. I, uh, 
I don't care as much about it as I used to. Yeah. Uh, the advantage of him coming back, I think, is from the standpoint that you have two studs at an absolutely critical position in which a lot of things are required. The, you need to be able to block as a running back for the Steelers. You need to be able to catch, and you need to be able to run inside and outside the tackles. got to be versatile. So Bell coming back, to me, the biggest positive of that is – you're not in a situation that the Steelers got themselves in for many of the killer B years, which is one of the stud offensive playmakers goes down. And you have to put the fumbler in against Denver in the playoffs. you know. But other than that, I almost think it's going to cause more problems. I think these are two running backs that need to get their touches. And if you mess up a guy's rhythm like that, it's it seems almost detrimental. And there's been some talk. I've had some conversations on Twitter with people who think that Putting Le'Veon and James Conner on the field at the same time would be an advantage, but I don't know where you where you get off on that because they don't offer different skill sets. They offer the same thing, so really putting them on the field at the same time is redundant. There are some people who still think that Le'Veon Bell can play receiver. Le'Veon Bell can't play receiver. He is a he's an unbelievable pass catching running back. And that says a lot, in my opinion, besides David Johnson and probably Kamara now, he's the best pass catch and running back. But he makes all his yards on halfback option routes, you know, where he runs in front of the line of scrimmage and cuts in or out and kind of bails Ben out as a check down. Or he takes some slants on the outside. But you're not going to see him run a deep out or a deep comeback or a long hitch or a post, and he's not scaring anyone with long speed. You can't just put him on the field and have him play wide receiver as if – you know, he's going to do a better job than Switzer or an Eli Rogers when he gets healthy or something like that. So I, that idea is ridiculous. Let's move on to the first meeting of the Steelers and the Browns and take a look at that game. And as I look at the stats, it's just so strange to see 21-21. But if you recall, that game was marred by six turnovers. Ben had uh, three interceptions and we had three lost fumbles. Yeah, that game was a fluke. Uh, I know it's easy to say that, and that doesn't mean that the Browns are terrible. It just means it was yet another crappy, sloppy week one Steelers performance, putting James Conner in the offense, who was very successful in the first half, if you remember. But I think that that storm and that inclement weather had a lot to do with just the grossness that occurred. You know, you had a very hyped up Cleveland Browns team who was coming into the season with a lot of optimism and everything like that. But the Steelers did move the ball all over them. It was just these crazy turnovers that occurred. And, you know, Ben, past couple of years, he's taken a while to heat up and he's done a lot better the past few weeks. Obviously, you had Chris Boswell blowing it with a couple missed field goals there. You would have won the game if it weren't for that. You know, easy makeable field goals or extra points that he had. So I think the Browns got a lot of help in that first game that they're not going to get in the second game. But, you know, I respect them as a team. I just don't think it's going to be the same story this time around. Well, frankly, the Steelers also helped them with 116 penalty yards. I think that, I think the Steelers have largely cleaned that up at this point. 
there's just so much of a handicap the Steelers gave to the Steelers played like crap and they still should have won that game by over 10 points. I mean, the James Conner fumble at the very end looms large. If obviously Ben has the six turnovers, I know, but if Conner doesn't fumble that the chances of Tyrod Taylor being able to lead them on two scoring drives in the fourth quarter is minuscule. So even with all the yards and the possessions that the Steelers spotted them, the Browns still couldn't beat them. I do think the Steelers are the better team, if not just for the fact of just the pure star power the Steelers have on offense. Now, Miles Garrett absolutely wrecked the first game. He's going to be a handful going against Villanueva again. And the Browns have improved since then because, like we said after that first game, Tyrod Taylor has no business playing quarterback you know, professionally. Or in any situation that's televised or where he's being given money in exchange for his performance in a football game. And now they got Baker Mayfield in there. And Nick Chubb has been appointed the running back. And I think those are two major improvements at both of those positions. We can kind of go into that more in depth a little bit later. But the Steelers, I think, open up as 7.5 favorites in this game to beat the Browns at Heinz Field. And I think that's an appropriate an appropriate uh, appropriate line. I'm not making excuses for that first game, but I'm just trying to keep it real. Those things are real. The Steelers have gotten a lot better since that point. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure the seven and a half makes me comfortable. I have, by the way, I'm ahead on my bookie at this point. We are ahead of our initial investment and we're going to roll it up. But I am, and the only thing I'm betting on are Steelers, Steelers games and props because that's what we know best. And with all of our knowledge, it's hard to do more than break even. But seven and a half seems like a large spread, especially with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, Taylor, if, if Ty, Taylor Tyrod knew what Taylor to Tyrod. do, he, he couldn't. <laughs> that sounds all right. That's like his girl. That's like a if his sister. I don't know if they just flipped the names around. That's kind of like a sexy model name. Taylor Tyrod comes to the Cleveland runway. She's one of two models that they found in the city. To do the halftime show for the Browns. <laughs> so Taylor couldn't execute the offense needed to defeat the Steelers, but I think ba- Baker Mayfield could. Mayfield Definitely. Baker. We can go with Maker, Mayfield Baker. Sorry. <laughs> Maker please, Mayfield. Please, please get up. Uh, yeah, I'll get you. Get Let's bail you out to the next segment here. Let's talk about that Steelers offense versus that Browns defense instead of the Maker Bayfield uh, segment that you were about to embark on. I will say this, though. When you're betting on this and you're talking about that 7.5 line not making you comfortable, historically, I mean, you're right as rain there. It's it's a – I wouldn't call the Browns a bad team. I think they're a little bit better than the record might show. But if there's a team with a losing record, the Steelers are going to keep it close. Promise you that. But usually that's on the road. I do think the Steelers – uh, have some momentum that hopefully they'll be able to do continue to utilize, even though they had the, the bye week and the game's at home. So I, I do feel like the Steelers should handle their business in this game, but let's move on to the Steelers offense versus the Browns defense. First things first, like I just said, miles Garrett is an alien. He's going to be a force. He tied that game. I want to say he won the game for the Browns last time, but they, they did not win. So he really tied that game for them. In an inspiring way. Unbelievable. So he's going to be hell to deal with, of course. Denzel Ward, that first-round cornerback, looks like he's been keeping up the pace. He's good, but now we know he's good. And I don't care how good you are. If you're covering Antonio Brown, it's over. Over, dude. It doesn't matter. And A.B. was open a lot during that game. Ben has 
ticked up a couple bars on the AB Wi-Fi recently. They should be able to take advantage of him no, no matter how much he, good, blah, no matter how good he is. And just at the end of the day, the Browns defense, they don't have the cover guys to run with AB Juju and now Vance, who did not play in that first game, remember. I mean, Peppers, their safety, their first round pick from last year. They take him off the field on passing downs. They don't have an answer at safety, and they got one good corner who's a rookie, so I don't think they're going to be able to to really contain the Steelers' weapons, let alone the fact that they're having some inside linebacker problems and they're not stopping the run well. James Conner crushed them in the first half last year, and he's on a roll – or last time they played each other, and he's on a roll now. So I don't think that they have the personnel to really deal with the Steelers. So one statistic that stands out for me is Jesse James had – 60 yards receiving and Jesse James has negative 0.1 yards yards after catch mm. so that tells you something that they're uncovered so Juju had 119 yards that first game AB with 93 and the gunslinger with 60 yards yeah a the gunslinger I don't Jesse James oh I li- that's my fault the kid no, Billy, the kid was the kid. The gunslinger, I was like, I think Ben had more than 60 yards. I know it was a bad game. Man. I know. It sounded like gunslinger should be the quarter. It should be the quarterback, but uh, I'm not sure we've named Jesse. The, they usually go with the outlaw. Or like our friend Rico said, they call Jesse James the stork. Why? Because he always delivers. Jesse James. You're welcome for that one, Jesse. Uh, also, AB had nine for 93, but he was really open for 200. That was the... First week that we brushed it off, we didn't talk about any Wi-Fi connection problems there because it was just one game, but it was bad. I mean, he, he should have his way. And, uh, yeah, I feel very com- – and the Steelers are at home. So, you know, that always makes them a better offense. One thing I'll also say is Greg Williams is kind of a maniacal up-and-down defensive coordinator everywhere he's been. But one thing that he does all the time is he loves to blitz. He can't – He's like a he's a crack addict of blitzes. He's a blitz addict. He can't help himself. Even if things are going well, he has to do some weird exotic blitz and it results in some positive plays for them. But you don't want to blitz a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. Ben wants you to blitz. And usually teams that have success against him are the ones that sit back and keep everyone back in coverage. And if you can generate that four man pressure, well, the Browns could generate that pressure because they have Miles Garrett. But Greg Williams will blitz. And you saw what happened to the Bengals when they blitzed on the last play of last game. So I like that matchup too, honestly. Even though, as I babble, it did cause the Steelers' offensive line a few issues in that first game. But I think they'll be more prepared this time around. Well, as you were talking, I just looked up the, uh, the Cleveland Browns' ranking as far as rushing yards go. They are fourth lowest with uh, almost 1,000 yards against. Fourth lowest? like Worst. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. That's Only the Dolphins, Broncos, and Cardinals are worse. How far the mighty Broncos have fallen. Look at that. Well, along there with the Eagles. So yeah. so let's move on to uh, Steeler defense against the Brown offense. And I must say, this is what I was talking about before. Maker Bayfield, if you just can <laughs> figure out passing into the middle of the end of the zone, in the middle of the field, uh, very successful, and we'll need a 40-point game. Well... There's no defense left in the NFL, so you know they're going to score a little bit here or there. Um, listen, the, the Browns don't have Josh Gordon anymore. 
before the season, the whole outlook for the Browns was kind of revolving around, wow, imagine if Josh Gordon could regain the form that he had originally. And they had him with Landry and Njoku and this Callaway guy, the rookie or whoever, and how good they could be. Well, it didn't work out with Josh Gordon that way. So now they have a much less intimidating receiving core. But they do have David Njoku, who's a nice tight end. And Baker Mayfield is willing to do what what uh, Taylor Tyrod was not willing to do in the first game, which is throw the ball forward, utilizing the art of the forward pass to try and gain yardage against the defense. It's proven to be a difficult concept for us to stop in the past. We'll see how it happens this time. But there was a cool graphic that they showed on TV when Baker Mayfield went in to replace an, in, uh, an injured Tyrod Taylor in whatever game he replaced him in. And they showed a chart. And they showed little dots on the screen for where all of Tyrod Taylor's passes went. And all of them were outside the numbers within five yards of the line of scrimmage, just little dink and dunkers. And then it showed Maker Bayfield's chart, and it's just littered dots in that 10 to 15, 20-yard range down the middle of the field where real quarterbacks are attacking defenses, right? Obviously, the beasts can get the ball downfield to the outside, but we're not worried about that. No, we're worried about everything. Well, we're worried about everything. So yeah. Njoko is the number 10th ranked in terms of yardage tight end. But he doesn't. I mean, he's under 300 yards. But I take your point. I mean, the middle of the field, if Maker Bayfield looks down the middle of the field, he's going to find Njoko open, and he's going to move up that ladder. Yeah, and the thing about Baker is he's not afraid to test that part of the field. So I do think it's a nice matchup for the Browns that way when they're going to go against the Steelers' defense. The other thing I'll say about Baker is – He's not a runner like Tyrod is or a Russell Wilson or somebody like that, but he is a great scrambler and he scrambles to throw and he really has escapability. And he looks like a young, tiny Ben there uh, when he's scrambling around because it's kind of chaotic. He's kind of got that white guy scramble thing where it's effective. It's not gorgeous. It's not even pretty, but he can really move around and he knows how to do it. Steelers struggled tremendously with Tyrod moving around the last game. So look to for Tyrod or look for uh, Maker, Maker Bayfield, that is, to scramble around a little bit. And he should be able to have some success against the Steelers. But I just don't know if there's enough for him, you know, for them to put up a lot of points, which is good for us. Well, I, I go back to the seven and a half points. I'm curious about that. Hopefully, uh, we are more explosive given that analysis. We're going to go for the Steelers in seven and a half points this week. Put yeah, myself well, out there. Well, one thing e- easy. I'm on that bet, no doubt. Put it all in, all in, double or nothing. Another thing that they've improved on is they actually traded away Carlos Hyde to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're making their rookie running back, Nick Chubb, their feature back, which is a really good move for them because he's been far more effective than all their running backs before uh, this season. And like I said earlier with Connor and Le'Veon, running backs need their touches. They get better the more they touch the ball. you got to find a rhythm for the defense and kind of get your sea legs under you. And it's most running backs operate that way, you know. Alvin Kamara, these weird little weapon guys, they don't ever – Alvin Kamara is an anomaly. Those weapon running backs don't usually work out. You need touches. So I think them giving Nick Chubster touches is makes them a better rushing attack. And I think they scored – I don't know if they scored three times in the second half against the, the Buccaneers, but 
they're on a good roll as far as that goes. I mean, I don't know if anybody saw the post-game press conference from Hugh Jackson, but as Steelers fans, let's just be glad that that guy is still in Cleveland. Let's hope that it lasts longer because the dude is incapable of taking responsibility. He says he's going to take over the offensive play calling, which he's done a terrible job of everywhere he's gone. He called the plays for their 1-31 record, and Todd Haley's doing a fine job over there, and he wants to dip his chubby little fingers into the pot. I'll let it happen because the man, they need to fire that guy. Won't take any accountability. Tiny ego. No good. Tiny ego. Tiny, man. He's not tiny. Maybe it's immense, but it's fragile. He's constantly blaming other people's and – you remember back to the the week when they ran the Philly special, the famous Philadelphia play where Nick Foles caught the touchdown in the end zone. They ran the identical thing in Baker's first game. And after the game, the reporters asked Huey, Huey Jackson, they asked him. My play. Did you like they sort of complimented him actually saying like, hey, <laughs> took a little page from Philadelphia there, didn't you? He freaked out at them and he bit their heads off saying like, you looked on my resume. I have a really long resume. So does Todd. Have you looked on my resume? You would see I've had this play forever. I do all kinds of, you know, I'm not on steel things. I'm a smart guy. I'm, I'm a big man. Something along the lines of that. And then they went and asked Todd Haley, hey, like, did you guys take that play from Philly? And Todd says, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not stealing. You're allowed to use other people's plays. So just goes to show you problems in Huey land. So if I may digress, uh, I've been talking about my betting prowess my betting prowess with my bookie yeah. and uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy. I, I'm, I'm ahead. You're ahead. And I, and I want our listeners to come with me. Well, they should. And I mean, it's just nothing but rainbow sunshine and giggles over here for us. Cause I have to laugh to myself when someone asks us how we're betting on the games from the upcoming week, because obviously we're using my bookie. I mean, we spent hours studying the Steelers, but with all of our study, all of our leather-bound books, our multiple internet connections in multiple cities with different satellite locations and interns doing all the research for us, we still don't know if the team is going to win. We know they're going to win. They're going to beat the Browns. Let's go Steelers. Uh, but but we, we don't know anything about the point spread. On top of that, the point spread 7.5. Take it, people. But there's something that we are confident in. My bookie. My bookie offers betters in all major markets an entertaining lineup of gaming options. They've got unique prop bets that you won't find anywhere else, which is a huge plus for you fantasy fanatics. Rather than having to rely on a whole team to perform in order to win, you can just pick out one player to bet to perform or underperform, perhaps. So you fantasy sports lovers will have an edge when betting on the game within the game. You know, players, fantasy, la la land, whatever. Take advantage of in-game live betting on over-unders on fantasy points scored. They offer a plethora of major bonuses, including welcome offers, reloads, and cashback. Quick question. Sorry. I don't mean to stop. But would you offer me a plethora of pinatas if, in fact, there was no plethora at all? I would give you a cornucopia. Thank you. Well, you'll find sportsbook promotions and casino rewards and a huge variety of different value-added programs that should cater to most bettors' preferences. My bookie has a great mobile site that is easy to use with a sleek design that offers easy navigation. This is a company whose customer service you can actually access with a phone call, callback request, or online chat, which is cool because talking to people, right, 
better than talking to robots. I'm with you. My bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Take advantage of generous bonus options like if you make a deposit after six or after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional 25 bucks free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, dude. Use promo code promo code Outpost twenty five. Outpost twenty five. Outpost twenty five to activate. Outpost twenty five. Outpost twenty five. Visit mybookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use that promo code Outpost twenty five. Outpost twenty five. Outpost twenty five. When connect when creating your account to claim up to one thousand dollars in free play, you play, you win, you get p- 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 paid, baby, you get paid. I want to explain my pause there. I actually want to. I want to crowdsource our next bet. We're definitely going to be uh, bet on the Steelers to win by more than seven and a half on Sunday. But there are a ton of prop bets to make, and the prop bet I want to make is first team to score. It gets even more complicated. We could we could bet on first Oof. player to score. So I want to crowdsource this to our fans. If you and at the end, we'll obviously give you all the venues you can use to communicate with us. But tell us who you think the first team to score will be, and we will place that bet, and we will donate that to the charity of my choice. Nice. That's good. Well, you know what you have to look up to kind of get some background info on that is let's look at like the Steelers' last seven games after a bye and see how the offense starts. I think we did this research last year. We did that study and found out that they've actually been pretty good after the last few buys. But another thing to think about is – Yes. Does it feel weird betting on the Steelers to win by more than seven against an inferior opponent? It does. But I do think being at home is a big difference. I think the fact that the Cleveland Browns had to go all the way through an extra overtime period makes a difference, especially considering the fact that the Steelers were off. The Steelers are going to be much more rested. I tend to be scared of buys. I kind of think that you know, unless you need another week for some key players to get healthy, I think that they can kind of mess with your momentum. But I think the Steelers righted the ship in such a solid way with the Atlanta and Cincinnati victories. I think that's a positive. And it's not like the Cleveland Browns played a minute of overtime and the game ended. They played almost through the whole thing. So I do think the Steelers are set up to win by more than seven and a half points this week. We want to report a disappointment we have. We had scheduled to talk to Matthew Stevenson, one of our brothers from the uh, from the from the platform, the Armchair All Americans. He had a he has he's a writer on the Cleveland Browns website. Yes, uh, he was at the last minute. Uh, he had uh, an unfortunate circumstance that prevented his participation tonight. But we want to give him a shout out. Thanks, and uh, we'll talk to him next year. <laughs> Well, we, there's a chance. We t- I was talking to him earlier. We might see if we can do a recap episode. It depends on what we have time for, this or that. But you guys should definitely check out his writing and just check out the Twitter page at Armchair Browns. Um, I, I'm believe, I believe that's a handle. And if that's not the handle, you can just search Armchair Browns and you'll find it. And, uh, yeah, we would have had a great conversation. So you could just insert that uh, here. This is where that would be. It is not there right now, but we definitely will be talking to him in the future. We had a series of questions for him. And uh, Nick, do you want to play Matt? Yeah, sure. What's square, what scares you as a Browns fan most about playing the Pittsburgh Stellars? Just the absolute might of Ben Roethlisberger. Next question. <laughs> How would you like the Browns to attack the Steelers offensively? Like kamikazes. 
defensively. Like banshees. Like cowering banshees. How good do you think this Browns team is? There's a compelling argument to be made that they should be 4-2 and two right now. They have a... I think they have... All, next tie will tie them for the all-time record for ties. I, I, I keep thinking it's going to happen every week. They're going to hit another tie, and it just doesn't happen. I will say this. The Browns team is right around their record, but there is a compelling argument to be made that they should have won that Steelers game. I mean, the Steelers tying it up on a blocked kick, like inside 30 yards at the last play. It's pretty fluky. Um, and then that Saints game, the Browns kicker just absolutely fell apart. They should have won that Saints game as well. So they're really just inches away from being four and two. I think the Browns are a very solid football team, sort of in the middle of the pack. Don't think that they have a great head coach, but they got a lot of promise going forward into the future. If I were them, I might keep Turd Haley around and uh, get rid of uh, Huey Jackson as the head coach because they have tons of talent all over the place. But maybe losing will be the best thing for them, getting some more high draft picks. Who knows? But they're a good team. I mean, they're definitely not the doormat that they used to be. I think that's already over. I mean, like I said, they could be 4-2 and right now, and that's not a ridiculous claim. They are always just five number one draft picks away. Well, so let's let's turn our attention yeah. to Maker Bayfield. What's your assessment? Maker Bayfield has had to go against some pretty difficult defenses. I'll say this: if I'm just going to point out a couple things, he's aggressive down the field. He's not scared. He's shown some escapability that has translated to the NFL more than maybe some of the Steelers writers would think, like Nick Serena or maybe Tom Serena. Definitely shown that. And then. He just he has that moxie, you know, people to I, I get annoyed when people talk about quarterbacks having the it factor or this or that, because at the end of the day, you need to have the physical tools and people are under the impression that that there's these stories about Tom Brady. You see the picture of him at the combine. He doesn't have the physical tools and he still can make it. That's not true. Tom Brady. Yeah, he looked like a donut at the combine, but the guy's six, four and he's got a rocket arm. Is it as good as Ben or Rogers or someone? No, but it's somewhere in the middle of the NFL. And it's a very good arm. Drew Brees doesn't have a great arm, but it's good. And he's unbelievably accurate. So you need some elite qualities and it looks like Baker's, I mean, Baker can really throw the football. He's such a pure thrower, so accurate. And he does have that moxie factor. I mean, that win against the, the Ravens, that was textbook. I mean, backed up into his own end zone, scrambles, makes some throws to beat uh, the best defense in the NFL. He, it's only up from from here for Maker Bayfield. So uh, I think we've already gone over Huge Jackson. Nothing there to worry about. <laughs> yeah, Huge Jackson. It looks like my autocorrect or your autocorrect, I guess. I wish I could have that kind of those. performance to keep my job. I would just sit back there, smoke my cabanas, drink cool. my cavassier. Feet up on the desk, three o'clock, like Mad Men. Maybe some swagger like that would go go away for them. Yeah, incredible. That's why the Browns will not win the division. No. Hey, we want to make sure we recognize listeners who reach out to us. That's really important to us. And I heard, think you heard from somebody south of the border this week. Yes. Also, my boy, what's up, man? From Mexico. That's. So cool that we got listeners in different countries, especially one near and dear to my heart. Most of my friends, uh, me living in Houston, most of them uh, have families who grew up in Mexico or this or that. But uh, it's awesome to know that Steelers Nation 
is really an international brand. And me and Osa were going back and forth a little bit on uh, just wishing for Pat Peterson to come to the Steelers. And like I said, the dream is not dead yet. It's looking like it could be a little unlikely, especially the fact that I don't know how much the Steelers were willing to be to package with the car uh, with that first round pick, which obviously seems to be a necessity to to get him. I don't know if they have much else to offer besides that, or even if the Cardinals are selling, which is really my sort of number one impediment right now. But yeah, we do want to shout out people who have been listening, and it's awesome that Steelers International is making itself known. And you'll be proud that we have uh, two listeners in Kuwait, and this week we have our first listener from Africa, Uganda. Nice. So, Finally. Love to hear from you guys if you get a chance and uh, hit us up when you get a chance. Yep, we're on Twitter more than we should be. So you can hit us up anytime you want. And looking forward to a great game this week. Let's hope that we just see the Steelman raining down hot fire upon that Cleveland defense. And maybe our defense will stop them a couple times because they've been looking up in the past few weeks. So I like uh, where it's going. Let's hope that there's no let up and no post bye week malaise. Thanks for listening to this show. We do it every week. Please subscribe if you haven't already or tell a friend. We're trying to make the show as informative as possible. And there are several ways to get a hold of us. And remember, we are crowdsourcing this week's prop bet. Tell us through the following media who you think will score first in this game, Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on our website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost.gmail at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. 
how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.